You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This is an ABC podcast. Good plan. Good plan. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Hello and welcome. We are still buzzing from last night's historic season opener in the AFLW. 15,337 people were there to see Carlton give Richmond a hostile welcome to the AFLW. I'm your host, Emma Race, and we have a lot to talk about in the next hour. As always, I am joined by my football-loving lady friends. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Kate Sia. Go footy, it's Lucy Race here. And I'm Rana Hussain. Making her debut for the Outer Sanctum in Season 5 of the Sanctum, Season 4 of AFLW. Welcome, Rana. How are you feeling after last night? You work at Tigerland. I do. Look, I feel a bit like what probably the new debut team players are feeling like, which is it's been such a long pre-season <laughs> for me and I'm finally debuting. It's so exciting. Lucy, welcome back to the Sanctum for the season. How are you feeling after last night's game? I... I loved last night's game. I think to walk back into the ground and smell that grass and feel the air of anticipation, I'm great. And Kate, see ya? Well, I missed the game live, but I caught up afterwards and, um, gee, Carlton looked good, didn't they? It's a tough um, tough start for Richmond, but um, really exciting for Carlton fans. For people playing along at home, I just gave her a full face of judgment that she missed the game last <laughs> night. I don't care for you having tickets previously booked. Uh, we are so thrilled to be back for today's show. Today we will be joined by Georgia G from Carlton, who was one of the best on ground last night. There's not much of her, but she really packs a punch. We're also going to to dig in with a huge and insightful, hopefully, chat with the boss of AFLW, the head of women's footy, Nicole Livingston is here, and Steve Hocking, head of football operations from the AFL. They're both going to join us for a state of the game chat. We'll also catch up with Daisy Pierce as she prepares to make her comeback today for the D's at Casey Fields and preview the games rolling out this weekend because it's not just one game in this round. It's so exciting. We would love to hear your thoughts on the season opener. So many of you have been getting in touch on our socials but you can text us on 0437 774 774 or you can call us on 1300 222 774 Last night the Carlton banner read footy for all of us which summed up the feeling in the outer but on the field Carlton gave the Tigers a good old fashioned welcome to the jungle Katie Brennan leads them out through the banner the Tigers, it's Tiger time they pose for a quick photo down at ground level. There will only ever be one first. And for the 21 players out there tonight for Richmond, I'm sure that is not lost on them. Here we go. The Richmond Football Club. The latest addition to AFLW. History in the making. 
Welcome to season four of AFLW. She'll take her kick 20 metres out directly in front. Katie Lawrence, first game as co-captain and the first goal of the game for Carlton. Vessio's got it, 35 out, just better than a 45 degree angle left of centre. Strikes it on the right boot and strikes it sweetly. Little toe poke by Dalton, picked up by G, good hand pass away for Sparkus. Off to Walker, open goal and the Blues have their third. Strong body work, got rid of her opponent, stood tall in the goal square, arms outstretched. She doesn't drop those. Harris comes in and slots it. Wasparkas picking up where she left off. And Carlton putting Richmond to the sword now. A fifth goal on the board for the Blues. Merchant took the kick inboard to Brennan. Brennan inside the 50. Here's Sabrina Frederick. This time she's in front. Cat Pounds took no chance. And Big Sabs has got it. 40 out directly in front. Starts her approach, a couple of steps, lets it go, right foot, kick, goal! It's the first for Richmond in the AFLW, and Sabrina Frederick is... And the Blues through Doonan go deep inside the 50, Downey! A one-handed mark, superb! 25 out straight in front. Kick on its way, goes through. Whitford launches the Tigers forward. The mark's taken by Rachel. Plays on. Forks around the player on the mark. Goes for home. Yes! Sensations. Picks it up and gets rid of it. But the siren sounds. Richmond's entrance into AFLW isn't a winning one. Carlton victorious by 34 points to start season four. We are the old dark <laughs> navy blues. Look, I have declared myself as Carlton in the AFLW. It felt good to get the da 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 das out last night. <laughs> but, Rana, you are a tiger through and through. How did you see this historic moment? Oh, look, I was a ball of nerves throughout the day, but when I got to the ground, super excited. And I think for me, a highlight was something I wasn't actually there for, but happened in the rooms before the game, KB, OG KB. <laughs> um, the original Kevin Bartlett. Yes. Presented the jumper uh, and talked about um, being a past player who then handed it to Jack Rewalt, who talked about being a current player who then handed it to our KB, Katie Brennan, who talked about being the future of the club, which... I mean, all the fields, Emma. (laughs) Goodness, that's what Richmond does so, so well. Lucy, you were having some moments last night in the outer. I really was, and one of my favourites was when Sabrina kicked Richmond's first goal. Unfortunately, it wasn't till the last quarter, but the sound of the Richmond faithful, it always brings a little shiver to you, I think. Oh, yeah. Kate? Have you caught up on the game? I have. And one of the things that I saw doing um, doing the rounds on social media was uh, a story that the Carlton runner uh, sustained an injury. That's Andy Marr, who's a who's a broadcaster and also happens to be uh, your husband, Em. That's and, right. and that was all over social media. How's he doing? He's injured. Um, and the thing that I want to say about this is let's not make him the story because the Carlton women had an unbelievable win last night and um, runners have never been front page of the newspaper um, with their injuries or whatnot. So we're not going to make him the story. Um, so he can just get back in his box. But for me, I had some major highlights last night. Maddie Pressbar. I mean, you win the Rising Star, you don't quit. You know, you turn up, unbelievable. Lucy McAvoy, incredible for Carlton. But another massive thing that I saw last night, Razor Ray 
just happily giving away free kicks. Like I just felt like he, that having him on the field, it's such an amazing mentoring moment for the other umpires who were umpiring with him. And he did give away, he was happy to give away free kicks, which I don't feel like we've seen so often in the AFLW. And I think it just sets the tone and really got the ball rolling. The game was unbelievable. I, th- I thought that it was really physical. I thought Richmond were incredibly fierce through the centre of the ground, but then Carlton just had this amazing defence. I think you're right, Em. And There were a number of things we learnt last night. One of the things that I've taken away is that there is a step up to the AFLW, that it is the elite competition in this country. And you saw a difference, I think, between a first-year team and a team that's had a number of years playing at that level. And that's not to say that we won't see Richmond having gear changes throughout the season, which we definitely will. But Carlton did seem to enjoy the spoils of the fact that they have been in the competition from the get-go. Last night, one player who absolutely starred. She always does. There's not much of her, but she's incredible and was a huge part of the 34-point win against the Tigers. Georgia G, you were on the field last night. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What was the noise like last night, Georgia? Oh, it was pretty incredible. Um, obviously, our game before, like last year in the grand final was a, a big game in front of 53,000 but even in front of 15,000 last night that was pretty big and um, it definitely got us girls moving. How do you wind down after a game like that and actually get to sleep? Yeah it's pretty hard. I don't think I fell asleep until about 2am last night um, but yeah I was tossing and turning but um, finally got some sleep um, but it was a big game and it was really exciting. It was. Uh, it's Lucy here Georgia. Congratulations. The Pressure looked pretty fierce from the get-go and the tackling pressure, particularly of the Tigers, was pretty fierce. How did it feel out there? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty physical. Um, Tigers definitely brought their A game um, and it was there was a lot of pressure out there, and especially with the crowd. I think that um, was also a big thing. But, yeah, it was really good to see that the AFLW has stepped up and even Richmond being a first-new um, team, um, they definitely brought the heat. Georgia, it's Rana here. Uh, congratulations. Speaking of the crowd, who did you have in the crowd from your end? Any family? And I know there's some Tigers in your extended family as well. Did they turn up? Um, I had a fair few family there. Obviously, the parents, um, my sister and extended um, family as well. But my pa, who um, played for Richmond, unfortunately wasn't there. He couldn't make it, um, but he was at home watching on TV um, and he said that he definitely really enjoyed the game. Did your pa play for <laughs> Richmond, Georgia? Yeah, he played a few games for it, and I'm not too sure how many, but um, then he transferred over to Hawthorne, so he played for both. Wonderful. Georgia, it's Kate here. Congratulations from me too. Um, at the top of the, the show, Emma mentioned that you are one of the smaller players in the competition. You're just around about 160 centimetres tall. Um, over the uh, off-season, there was some talk among some people that, uh, or a kind of ongoing conversation about whether footy is really safe or appropriate for, for women. And as one of the smallest players in the competition, I wonder how you react when you hear that kind of criticism. Yeah, look, I think... I don't think that at all. I think um, I obviously go out there and I'm not really scared or intimidated by any bigger girls that are bigger than me. Obviously, being the smallest out there, um, a lot of girls are scared and worried that I'm going to get snapped in half, but that's not the case at all. I think as long as you um, go into the contest as safe as you can, then I think you'll be right. We are speaking with Georgia G from Carlton. Maddie Pressbach has had an amazing night last night. You two are pretty tight. I've, got, I've heard a rumour that you guys have like a famous Hollywood nickname. <laughs> yes, we do. What is that? Um, it's Velcro. I'm not actually sure <laughs> who gave us that nickname, but we are pretty much attached to the hip, so 
yeah, we got that stuck on our head. When she plays well and you play well, do you come off the field and just have a little moment? Yeah, we definitely do. We get pretty, we're pretty stoked when we, or if we get a win at least. Um, but Mads always has a, a crappy game. She's an absolute star. So it was really good to come off and get a win, obviously playing alongside her as well. Georgia, you play Collingwood next week. I'm really interested in how you're feeling about that and how the team's feeling about going up against Bree Davey. Yeah, look, obviously um, it's hard to replace a player like Bree. Um, but as you saw last night, our, play- our younger players um, are really capable of stepping up and playing a role. So it should be good, obviously, to be um, rivalry, but we can't wait to face them. Georgia, you had 14 disposals last night and five tackles, but one of the most impressive things you did was chase down Monconti. How does that feel to chase down one of the fastest players in the league? Yeah, that was pretty good. Um, I've played with her um, in under-18s and I knew um, that she was capable of um, running off that mark pretty quickly and that she's got some speed. So I thought I had to be on her tail and luckily I got her. Georgia, Kate again. I'm really interested in your take being out there, how the competition is developing from year to year because your own footy really improved between 2018 and 2019. You had a Rising Star nomination last year. Um, how do you see the growth and development of skills among players in the in the comp? Yeah, look, I think it's huge, um, especially with drafting younger players that have played under 18s and gone through all those pathways um, to learn all the um, basic skills and Obviously, like they're pretty skillful. I think bringing them in is um, up to the competition a lot, and I think a lot of the older girls have said that they've learned off them as well. So, yeah, it's really good to see that it's showing, and um, everyone can see that. One big change to your lineup, Georgia, has been that Katie Loins and Karen Harrington, your captains, they both led on the field last night. Katie Loins was playing like a, you know, like a newborn baby. She looked like she was, I mean, you know, a, really, a one that can play really well. <laughs> she just seemed so full of youth and vitality. She was amazing. Karen Harrington, always a really hard player. Um, what's their leadership style and how has it changed kind of the impact on the team? Yeah, I think it's, it's been a good thing having two different leaders. I think they're both different um, in their own sense. But um, as you see, Lindsay going in hard, she's always um, putting her head first, always coming out with blood dripping down her face um yeah and same with Kez she's a very strong leader and um I think they're just both professional and um like really confident in the team and they trust all of us so it's really good to have them as our leaders and we all love them well Georgia congratulations on getting the four points on the board but also getting a lot of percentage which is also really helpful thank you so much for joining us on the Outer Sanctum best of luck with recovery and heading into a really fierce game against Collingwood next week yeah thank you I really appreciate it thanks guys I'm Chelsea Randall and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. Welcome back to The Outer Sanctum. Kate Seal, we're getting some SMSs coming through. We are. We're getting lots of SMSs and lots of tweets, so people are really active on social media too. What is a strong theme coming through for us is a lot of love for the Richmond Football Club. Lots of people who went along last night. Casey tweeted us and said that last night, walking in the gates, feeling a sense of coming home and feeling welcome among friends was really special to her. She said, hearing my name shouted out by someone that I met at a game last year, Responding to a tweet to say hi to a new friend at halftime and meeting people in real life, sitting with friends I have because of AFLW. And that's what the community in this uh, this game is like. It's wonderful. It's pretty nice, isn't it? It does have a really special atmosphere, the AFLW. It's really different to what we feel and see in the men's competition. 
So our next two guests are going to be able to unpack the reasons why with us. This week at the AFLW launch, the uh, AFLW head of women's football, Nicole Livingston, said, we will not be quiet. And gee, we were there for it. And meanwhile, the AFL head of operations, Steve Hocking, fashioned it so that Razor Ray would umpire last night's game. And to everyone's surprise, we absolutely loved it. We welcome both Nicole and Steve to the Outer Sanctum. Welcome, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Talk to us about if you can put into words the atmosphere at Princess Park last night. I felt like it was like my 18th revisited where I was really nervous well, on who that's, was... That's, that's no, scary. no, no, not because of that reason. Just Or, or if those that are a Brady Bunch fan, Jan Brady, and everyone <laughs> wanted to go to Marsha's birthday and not hers, I was like, are people going to come? Are they going to turn up? And then they started to turn up. They turned so. up, yeah. It was excellent. Really, really good night for AFLW. Do you always feel like that before AFLW launches? We're into the fourth season now. I reckon the, the opening match uh, is the one that I always feel the most apprehensive about. It's just getting it away. Uh, everything builds to that, and we know once we get, get it away, yeah. it all takes care of itself more or less. I, I was looking forward to it. Um, my role is slightly different to Nicole's. I think Nicole was feeling the pressure of, of the <laughs> night and, and just, you know, that it's the first sort of launch into the season. Uh, so for me, it was I, I was able to really probably explore other parts of the night um, you know, new umpires, lots of lots of new fans showing up, a whole new group, Richmond. So, yeah, just wonderful things to take in. Well, on that, why is now the right time for four new teams to enter the competition, Steve? Why is? Well, it's it's about growth. There's 120 players now, um, so it's greater opportunity for uh, for players to be involved in an elite competition. Um, and and we just we just felt that uh, it's it's about really building um, the future of AFLW. We're obviously um, we're walking towards that slowly, and we're mindful of that. We've got to be careful that we grow it at the right pace. So 120 new players um, will run around this weekend, and that's exciting. Rana, we saw the yellow and black turn up last night, and I, I'm just curious, um, what's the thinking behind clubs with huge supporter bases like that and solid professional? women's programs, say like Hawthorne, not being in the league at the moment? There was a bidding process. Um, So clearly the bidding process took place and originally Hawthorne didn't bid for a women's licence and uh, Gil on this radio station uh, talked about that on Friday, about the fact that, you know, the fact that they didn't bid, I'm looking at Em because I know she's mad Hawthorne, um, you know, and other teams did show a commitment from the start, Um, you know, they got priority over those that didn't. Uh, determine that a bid was necessary at the time. Will Hawthorne ever be forgiven for that? <laughs> we have a commitment to 18 teams coming into the competition because we feel that that is also a mark of equality in AFL, that you know each of the clubs are looking forward to having a women's team. It's not to say that they're not lobbying us uh, consistently and as season four... Regularly. <laughs> and their fans. <laughs> yes. um, and season four kicks in and they'll be having FOMO, I'm sure. Uh, so, yeah, there's no date determined for those last four clubs to come in. Fair to say lots of pressure that Port Adelaide should be the first to come in given that uh, the Adelaide Crows have a footy state and they've got the monopoly on talent. Uh, lots of the clubs that are in our competition say that. Bring Port Adelaide in, please. Yeah. <laughs> and Essendon as well. They do have such an enormous supporter yes, base. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Lucy? While we're on the tough questions, the conference system, is it going to stay around? Yes. Yes. So, so the way <laughs> the way that we set the conference system this year, um, the feedback from the competition committee was that they wanted something that would stand the test of time for the next few years. Um, we've got a CBA agreement in place for three years, so we feel like the snaking of the setting of conferences is. Uh, 
more competitively balanced. And now we've got those four teams that are in the competition. We've placed them at the moment geographically a little so we can get the Derby and the Q Clash minimising travel for the players. Uh, but now when we get to the end of the 2020 season, we'll see where the ladder positions are and we'll place them in that snaking um, position. Steve, given that you've grown up with footy and the conference system is new and say last year we saw North Melbourne miss out on a fine, on a grand finals berth, they finished with 123.1% as opposed to Carlton who finished with 99.6% and they made the grand final. Do you think that's fair? Uh, look, it's the system that was in place for last year, so we, we have to recognise that. Uh, look, I understand we can look back at that and go that uh, potentially North Melbourne missed out. They still had opportunity to uh, to dominate within their competition. It was their first year. It was a fantastic effort by North. Um, we've actually been out just over the last couple of weeks out to North uh, to their training session. They're doing a lot right. They're going to be a very dominant team again this year. So we're, we're comfortable, as Nicole said, we're comfortable with the conference system. Mm. And if you talk to North um, staff, they say, we knew what we needed to do to make it into the grand final or in, into the, the prelim final. Um, so they're very realistic about it. They ran out of legs towards mm. the back end yes, of the season. And, and, you know, they saw the result of that. So they're very, um, you know, reflective of it. And the leadership in that moment, that they've never complained about it, no. has been noted. Yeah. And it is extraordinary. Kate? Um, Nicole, you're talking a little bit about the uh, collective bargaining agreement and the future of the AFL. I do want to ask you a bit about the CBA in a moment. I but... thought you might have. <laughs> Um, but first up, can I just ask you, this time last year we had you on the show and you talked about the development of a 10-year plan for the game. Has yep. it been completed? We're refreshing the AFLW strategy um, and we have been working with the Players Association on an overall vision um, and given the complexities around the CBA, we kind of parked that for the time being to be able to get through that and, and uh, make sure that that was uh, in place. So um, from our point of view, it is in draft form and uh, it's gone through commission. They've seen it, but we do want to wait until uh, we can go back and revisit it with the PA, particularly the AFLW portion. Um, but we are committed to a refresh of the AFLW strategy. I think it's important for us to to be thinking about, you know, our original, um, from a strategic point of view, priorities were about opportunity for women in football and growing the game. Um, we now have close to 587,000 girls and women playing Australian football you know, will that just start to take care of itself and continue to grow? Should that still be one of our strategic priorities for AFLW and, and women's football? Lucy? There's a number of games that are ticketed this season, um, but we're still seeing that the majority of games aren't. I see a lot of calls for ticketing to alleviate, I guess, the anxiety associated with big games. And you could argue that perhaps, you know, sometimes people don't turn up because they're worried about being locked out. Where are we at with ticketing and charging for games? So we're doing um, part of that AFLW um, review and, and uh, refresh. So there's a review that we've committed to in the CBA that is an AFLPA review led, but we're also internally uh, doing an AFLW strategic uh, refresh and ticketing will be one of those things. There is only one match that is ticketed and that is the Optus Stadium match, the Derby. The reason we needed to do that was for operational purposes. If we had have gone to Punt Road, we probably would have ticketed because it looked like capacity was about 2,000 there. Um, but uh, we need to do it at us because of the transport levy that's associated with it. We want to give the four clubs that have come into the competition the same opportunity as those foundation clubs to build an audience without a price barrier. Um, we are looking at it and uh, I don't want you to think that that then is a reflection that we think that people won't value women's football. That is not the case. We are still building this audience so we've still got to allow people to be able to come in without a barrier. 
AFL Queensland have moved their feeder competition to run oh, concurrently. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. Um, concurrently with AFLW season, and which obviously means that players get a bit more game time. They get to kind of build their skills. I'm wondering if the VFLW will now have to look at that. Uh, so that, that's a piece of work that we need to do. And I say um, good question because it seriously is one. One of the things that we need to do with the growth of AFLW is how do we support it? Um, one of the challenges for the players currently is the fact that uh, if, if you're out of form at AFLW level, you've actually got nowhere to play. Mm-hmm. And even from an injury perspective as well, where do you go to actually recover from that? And then how do you display the form? So we've actually got a big piece of work. A lot of what Nicole's touched on this morning, if you if you think about it, we're talking here a lot about just the women players, but there's also all the infrastructure that ha- actually has to change as well. So everything from umpiring to match managers, um, coaches, like we're in a real growth phase across the whole industry. So it's recognising that and then making sure that we actually take the time to unpack it because it's actually a lot of work. It's not an easy thing to do because... There's a lot of tradition that's tightly held with VFLW. So if Nicole or myself just show up, you know, at a place like Darabin and say all of a sudden you're playing at this time of the year, like there's stakeholders that we have to take care of. The one thing I will say, though, is that we do need to look from a holistic point of view of managing the load of our players. So as the AFLW grows, and the first two years we had 28 matches, this year we've got 61 matches. So it's growing exponentially. So we also want to make sure that they can have long, sustainable careers, you know, five, ten-year careers. And if they're playing in everything, we're going to bust them. So we need to be thinking about how we can actually align um, the overall offering for female football players at that sub-elite and elite level so that they're actually having, um, you know, proper load management and being able to uh, to survive the rigours of AFLW, which is the premier competition. Um, we've already started that piece of work. We've met with all of the states and territories about their state leagues. And I would like to think that Quaffle moving was a direct reflection of us going up and talking to stakeholders. Um, but Steve's right. Um, you know, there's, there's a fair bit of um, history and tradition behind uh, state league competitions local nuancing, local protection. So we do, you know, it's it's a work in progress. We are speaking with the head of uh, women's football at the AFL, Nicole Livingston, and chief operations officer at the AFL. That's not your title, is it, Steve? GM Hocking. of football GM operations. GM football yeah, operations. Sorry, it. Steve Hocking. No, that's okay. <laughs> Steve. Just Steve in his grey mile T-shirt. Um, Nicole, I just want to ask you a question before Kate gets to all the serious law talking stuff. Um, Make at it a the launch, question. At the launch, you said two things that I loved. And I would like you to unpack what they meant. You said, we will not be quiet. You said that the players had their right to have their time to consider the CBA. And then you also said that disagreeing with each other is good for the game. Can you talk to what you're inferring and what you're really meaning there? I think, and you've been part of this for decades, women and men have been pushing to have an offering of an elite competition for Australian football. And now it's here. We're into our fourth season, our original birth year of 2020. I think it's unreasonable to think after all of that ag- agitation and, um, you know, hopes and dreams that we're just going to sit down and be quiet. You know, it's here now. We don't have to push anymore. I think it's it's everybody's responsibility to continue to push and want for more. Um, so we have to get comfortable with that. It's going to be lumpy. It's going to be bumpy. 
but it's okay. Uh, and I often say to players, we may not land in an, a place of agreement, but as long as we can do it respectfully and we both hear each other, then that's what I want. Um, and I feel like as public as the CBA, and I'm giving Kate the nice segue, as public as the <laughs> CBA negotiations were, uh, it, it was needed to happen because it was brand new for the players and it's effectively an employment agreement. So they needed to take the time to understand what they what they were getting into but also to push for more. And I did say to some players uh, this past week, you actually had a win because the 8, 9, 10 of the progression of the home and away was more than the AFL went to the table to the PA with. Can I chip in yeah. as well and just add, Nicole, that it's everyone's, um, it's everyone's journey. Like one, one of the challenges that I find within the roles that we actually fill is it, apparently it's just the AFL headquarters mm. that should be actually growing this game. It's everybody's to grow. That's clubs, you know, it's all, it's all the stakeholders. Everyone's got to wrap their arms around it and actually take it forward. Thanks for the segue to both of you because I, <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask a few questions about the collective bargaining agreement, the CBA, which was, um, you know, as, as you've said, Quite controversial at the end of, of last year. There was some controversy with. Uh, I am nervous because I feel like you've cast your legal no, eyes no, over this, I, and I'm no. not a lawyer. <laughs> Don't worry. There's no there's no questions about provisions in the, in the CBA, but, uh, or well, nothing too technical. But I want to do a kind of sale of the century fast round. So if you put I've your played sale of the buzzers, century for real. Perfect. <laughs> I don't think I won. I knew I recognised you. It's like I planned it. Well, this is perfect. So hands on your buzzers. I just want to fire a, qu- a few quick questions. I'm, my at hands you, off if the I buzzer. Can. You can answer. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I was really interested in in the CBA was that the players pushed for and obtained agreement for an independent review into the AFLW. So first of all, I just want to ask you, uh, do we know yet who will who will be the independent reviewer? We're finalising terms of reference. We met with the PA on a third occasion during the week. Players are now present for those meetings as well. So we're finalising terms of reference. Uh, just to be clear, the agreement is for a review that is looking at um, the AFLW competition and and the areas that are causing um, yeah, progression, yeah, issues for the players yeah. and the competition to to thrive. Now they may not be issues; they may be things that are assisting the competition and the players to thrive. Yeah, the sort of unique challenges that yeah. the AFLW yeah. has compared to the AFLM. Um, uh, do the so the players do have input into the remit of the independent review and and the terms of and the powers of the independent reviewer? Definitely, yes. Uh, I've been to a couple of meetings and Nicole and. Uh, Madeline Penny actually met uh, with the PA this week and, and the PA have been really smart and uh, and have included the players. So there's been two or three um, player delegates at, at all those meetings and will continue to be. Fantastic. Um, the independent reviewer, will they have power to make their own recommendations? Um, so in terms of the review, it's a review to, to identify and make observations. It's not a review to be able to, to be able to make recommendations to tell us how we should be doing. It's to, to garner all of the information that we need to be able to make reasonable decisions and sensible decisions both for the competition and for the players. Okay, a couple of more quick ones. Uh, if, they are, if there are observations from the independent review uh, that sort of hint towards some recommendations you might make, would you commit to, ma- to taking those on board and to, to implementing changes if it looks like it points in that direction? Well, depending on what's put forward. Yeah. Like, I think you know, Nicole's touched on it. It really is about helping steer our decision-making moving forward. Um, and and hopefully it, it, that's sort of where it, it, it lands is um, it won't be about all the things we're doing wrong. There's actually a lot of things that are, are being done exceptionally well 
and it's 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 just building that out beyond where it currently is. So it's all it's all been conducted in the right spirit. Um, everyone's embraced it, and I think it's just a really good good opportunity for the industry. We hear a rumour that uh, one of the reasons we got some of the AFL men's umpires umpiring uh, this year, like Razor Ray umpiring last night, um, the reason why they hadn't umpired up until now is because they weren't going to be paid the same that they would have been paid to umpire a men's match. Is there any truth to that rumour? Well, I don't deal in rumours, but I can talk to the facts, uh, which are that um, after Gill actually met uh, with a number of the player delegates uh, late last year, one of the things that was raised, and again, sort of not understanding the system necessarily, there's only 34 field umpires that are actually AFL-listed umpires. Um, once once round one starts within the men's and you're at the back end of the AFLW season, we've got 16 games that we have to get away. So you go from having 34 umpires, you actually need nearly 50 umpires. We, we can't just pull a drawer open and actually, okay, there's another 20 or 30 umpires. We actually have to train those people up. So out of out of those discussions, um, you know, Gil came back to AFL headquarters and, and raised some of the things. That was one of the things that was put on the table and said, is, is this possible? And then we just started mapping from there. And I can honestly say that um, that wasn't a discussion at all that you've raised. It was, um, it was really about uh, the umpires embracing it. Once we sat down and spoke to them, they, they realised, OK, we'd like to be involved, but how do we achieve this? We need 27 umpires a weekend out of the 34 to get away um, nine games a weekend in the men's. And so once you start having um, the overlap of the two elite competitions, then you, you, know, you basically have to work through those numbers. It's, it actually becomes quite difficult. And that's not including boundary umpires and goal umpires as well in that. So it's quite substantial. We're wrapped that they're involved. Razor Ray was just super last night. Courtney Gibson was a female field umpire last night. She re- relocated down here two years ago from from Queensland. A great story, a, a really good story um, for AFLW. You know, it's a great pathway. And in the men's competition this year, there'll be there's seven umpires that have actually officiated in AFLW Grand Finals and Final Series, and they've been prepared in that system for the men's competition as well. So we're starting to see this really nice crossover between the two elite competitions. They also had their own mascots last night, which I did get a photo with them. They're trying to get some love for the umpires. I know, I love it too. I think Kate's got one really pertinent question. Very final question. This is the most important question from my point of view. How long until AFL headquarters commits to formally renaming the men's competition AFLM? Silence. Steve's looking at me. That, that was the, the 30 second. Is it 30 seconds? Yeah, it's 10 second pause at Silas Entry. Um, that's a very good question. Can we take it on notice and take you it back can. to we'll AFL House? Oh, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm good... happy to answer that. I just think that a lot of what we've touched on here is just um, tradition. You know, there's, there's a whole range of things that we're unpacking um, that have just been the way they've been because of 160 mm. years of football. And I think that's okay. I, I don't think we need to necessarily be looking over the fence at one another and saying, whether we need to add another initial um, to, to something. But if, if in time that's something that emerges, um, we're all ears at AFL. It's actually a really interesting thought process because when I'm internal, I do um, take the time to say AFL men's competition when I speak and I say AFLW because I know that the AFL is the, the NSO or the National Sporting Organisation. But my my thought process, and we met with the high performance managers of the men's program, um, all of this stuff Steve's leading um, to try and make sure we agitate, I'm going to say agitate, and remind them that they are actually looking after women's programming as well. You know what, Kate? 
I want them to be able to see 75 athletes in their building. Yes. You know, 45 men, 45, uh, sorry, 30 women. You wish it was 45 women, 30 women. Um, so 75 athletes in their building. So they're not seeing the gender of it. And we want to do that with coaching. We want to do that with umpiring. So I don't know, maybe we just need to be thinking about eventually down the track, you know, is it just AFL and, you know, there's a women's competition and a men's competition. Well, it sounds like you've got two things to consider, Rana. Speaking of unpacking tradition, uh, a lot of people feel like AFLW is quite an inclusive space, but critics would maybe argue that that hasn't included women of colour or Indigenous women on the field and off the field. Um, And I'm just interested in your thoughts around that. Are we making the same mistakes that AFLM has made? actually being really thoughtful about it, to be honest. Um, so we have had uh, Indigenous players come through our system and some of them um, in even a short period of time have backed out of the system. So what we're doing is talking to those players that have either, be, either been AFLW players previously or currently are um, to try and figure out what it is that they need to be able to thrive as well because we recognise that there are some different things that they require from a football club. So um, we don't want to make mistakes that have been made before so we're actually taking the time to talk to them to find out what they need to be able to thrive. And are the female players getting the same kinds of pathways that the male players get in regions that are diverse and where a lot of Indigenous players may be? I'm I'm really proud to say some of the work, and he's not going to um, talk himself up, but the work that the football department is doing, the talent side of things is completely integrated. So everything that's on offer and being considered it's for men is for women. incredibly advanced. Yeah, it's really level. advanced. Yeah. I've got a question here from Ian in Croydon. When will you play the women's games before the men's games on the same day to capture a greater audience. We're, do, up, we're doing headers. some of those. Uh, we're doing double headers both in the Marsh Community ser- Series and also the AFL. I'm looking forward actually to GWS uh, and Geelong up in Sydney. Men's and women's, same teams. Uh, but I should also say that that's not necessarily the panacea of everything. I think we need to also be respectful of what AFLW is building and the spirit and community feel that we have. I just want to acknowledge that when you guys speak... There is so much noise coming through on the SMS and people agree and disagree with you wholeheartedly about every single point that you make. And it feels like you two can't really go anywhere or say anything without huge national debate being sparked. How do you wear that criticism and how do you continue on? Like personally, how does this job affect you? Steve? Uh, well, Emmett, yeah, look, it's a, it's a really good question. Uh, how I'd answer that is that I enjoy my, my role. I'm very fortunate I've got um, excellent club experience and I... I mean, I started football as a as a you know, very young child in in a, a country town called Cobram, up in you know community up in the Murray River. So, I've had this uh, this natural journey and affinity with the game, and for me, it's 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 been interesting. I, I think that men and women have always been part of the game. There's just one group that haven't been able to play the game, actually participate in the game. That's the that's the switch that's happened, which is really pleasing. But in answer to your question, how do I cope with it? Um, I get up every morning. I love my job. Um, so I think that's sort of almost 70% the way there. Yeah. And, Nicole, we can often see that things are really gendered, especially on social media. You cop it more than most people do, really, from the AFL. How are you wearing it? Well, I'm not on Twitter anymore. I, although my profile is there, I, I don't have it on any of my apps anymore. I did say to my husband last night, can you just have a sneaky look at Twitter and see what the sentiment is about <laughs> AFLW? Um, but it's actually Steve as well, you know, Steve's experience and, and Gil. I mean, Gil's advice in the first six months was get off social media. You don't mm. need to see it. You don't need to contemplate that. 
have faith in what you're doing. But Steve, um, you know, I feel like he does keep an eye out and he can, he's pretty good with that. He keeps an eye as to whether or not I look like I'm carrying a heavy load. And, um, you know, sometimes the door shuts, sometimes there's a couple of sighs from me, but uh, we're able to actually debrief about it, which Uh, is really good. uh, The comment I'd make, this is sort of the future of football. We're bouncing off one another. Mm. Yeah. Well, we are so grateful that you came into the studio. It is about 400 degrees in the studio. We didn't turn up the heat on purpose, but we're very sure. we're very pleased. It feels like you have. We said I'm it. glad I chose the T-shirt. <laughs> we like to say we've set the temperature to menopause. We are so glad that you came in today to speak to us. Nicole Livingston and Steve Hocking, thank you for making the time to come on The Outer Sanctum. Thanks, Thanks for having us. I'm Ali Blackburn and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. You are listening to The Outer Sanctum. That was an enormous chat. I really thought that they were going to get up and do a runner at some point because we went way over time with Steve Hocking and Nicole Livingston. Um, a lot of SMSs coming through, a lot of people having a lot of questions about ticketing and, you know, marketing and people being still really critical of women's football. It just doesn't cease. That was pretty... Um, that was pretty extreme, that conversation. I, what did you take out of it, I Lucy? I just think it's fantastic to be able to sit down and speak to the people who are you know, responsible for the really, really big questions and the really tackling the big issues. And I am really grateful that they're able to come in and sit down and answer so many questions. I hope we can get them back on during the year. They also came in, we neglected to say, with the Premiership Cup. Mm. Uh, so we got a photo with that earlier. We'll pop it on our social media. It's just absolutely enormous. And, um, gee, it's just so shiny and beautiful and it really makes the competition feel real. Um, we got a lot of SMSs during that chat. I think what we might do is um, harvest them so that we can answer them and maybe get some further answers on them um, in the future and maybe on the podcast. But there are other games rolling out this weekend, which is incredibly exciting. Rana, the Lions and the... Oh, is the next game up Lions? No, the next, no, the next game's Giants, not yeah. Suns. Thank so, you. So, <laughs> that's all right. Let me tell you a little bit that, about that. That's a Conference A game, and that's happening in Blackburn this afternoon at one ten. Blackburn? Blacktown. 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 Sorry, Blacktown. At one ten pm uh, Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Of course, uh, it's the debut of the Gold Coast Suns, so extremely exciting for Suns fans. We talked a little bit about the Suns last week. They've got a really young list, which is comprised of a lot of local talent that's come through the Development Academy in Queensland, as uh, Rana and Steve were just discussing. But they've also got some really experienced players. They've got Leah Kasler and Sam Virgo, who they pinched from Brisbane. Premiership player Tiana Ernst, who's a friend of of the show. So it's really uh, it's really hard to know how how the the Suns will go. And they're up against, of course, a really talented lineup in uh, in the Giants with players like Cora Staunton and Alicia Eva, who's the captain. So oh, yeah. the the most important thing is that, of course, in true fashion, there's a forecast heavy rain and thunderstorm in Blacktown, which just seems to be the way for the Giants. So um, it may be one that's waylaid a bit by the weather, but I think uh, the Giants will get up in that one. And some news, if you hadn't caught it, that Amanda Ferrugia. Yeah, the fridge, the former captain of GWS. She left the game at the end of last season and she's been made the AFLW Cup ambassador. So we've still got her around for this season, which is fantastic. And um, if you're not already, make sure you follow the Giants because they are winning on socials. Lucy, the D's and the Kangas, it's a historic moment. For well, Daisy Pierce. It is, it, it is for Daisy. So, North are going out to Casey Fields to uh, fight it out with Melbourne at 310 today. North have really been the talk of the pre season. They have a very stable list and very few injuries. Notable out is Jess Duffin, who is out with pregnancy. <laughs> 
they were very impressive in the practice match and led by Emma Carney, they're always going to be competitive. I love their hashtag this year, which is Our Time Is Now, and I really get the feeling that they believe in that. Melbourne has had a terrible run with injuries, um, but yes, a big in today is the return of Captain Daisy Pierce, and I was delighted to speak with her at the season launch earlier this week, and this is what she had to say about her return. Daisy, so many people have talked about the story of you coming back after having twins. How are you feeling knowing that you're going to run out this weekend? Yeah, excited. I mean, I'd be excited, I think, whether I'd had the year off or not. This is the best, you know, best time of the year when you've gotten through pre-season, you finally get to go out and play. Um, But, yeah, I guess a bit extra excited because I've had a year off and, yeah, a sense of pride because... Me and Ben, my partner, and us as a family have been able to get me back out there. So, little moment of reflection, but then it'll be just straight back into the arena of try and start Melbourne season off as well as we can. Did you ever have any moments where you doubted that you were able to be would be able to do it? Plenty, <laughs> um, too many to kind of list, but yeah, um, I think it's only natural. Like you know, having kids. It, tests you on every level physically emotionally mentally um so yeah it's been a especially early on like a real battle to try and drag myself out of our little bubble and go and do what I had to do um to get back um but yeah we ground out those moments and it wasn't perfect by any measure but um I've done enough to get back to pre-season and from there it was good because you had the structure of just having to be there and um, the great resources and support around me to help me get me there and yeah here I am. (laughs) And in terms of the team Melbourne's had some injury issues how's everyone feeling going into round one? Yeah it's never nice when you see teammates go down Um, we had a rough couple of weeks there either side of Christmas where we lost Sloaney first Shay Sloan and then Catherine Smith to ACLs Um, it's never nice but particularly when it's two people that are as professional and dedicated as you'll find in sport. So it always hits you a bit harder because, like, why them? All those questions. But you have to pick yourself up pretty quickly. And I think the attitudes of those girls have really helped that. Um, They just turn back up with a smile on their face, looking for something that they can do next to help us. So that's pretty inspiring. And we also know it's just a part of sport. Like, you put your hand up to play any sport um, and especially a sport like the one we love and that's that you're going to get injuries along the way so you have to find a way to look forward pretty quickly and um, we've had a few more since then and then we also lost um, Bianca Jacobson she made a decision to step away because their demands at work got a bit too much um, and that's all understandable with where it's at so you can yeah you can kind of you, you can't spend too much time worrying about it you just have to find the positive in it and I think that's the thing like our group now feels pretty empowered that they can all make an impact like everyone on our list is going to get an opportunity at some stage this year to um, help us achieve what we set out to achieve so yeah that's that's the way we're looking at it that was a very positive Daisy Pierce there and you'd expect no less from such an experienced captain. So I'll be heading out later this afternoon to watch that game. I cannot wait to see Melbourne's Irish recruit Sinead Goldrick, who I think will use her speed off half back. So 
It's going to be an exciting game. It was very close last time these two teams met. I think North might be a bit too strong. And there's been a lot of talk about North and how strong and how powerful they are and how many people are tipping them for winning the ultimate prize at the end of this competition. They did something really extraordinary this week when they had their jumper presentation. Both the men's and the women's teams um, were presented at the same time. And I spoke to Laura Kane, who is head of women's football at North Melbourne, and she said from the day we acquired the AFLW licence, we wanted to make sure that the women felt equally a part of what we're building. This is the perfect way to bring everyone together. I love the way that they lead and their membership numbers are showing that the AFLW memberships have hit an all-time high. So congratulations to them. Rana, we've got another game coming up. Lions and the Crows. Yes, Brisbane Lions play Adelaide Crows at 5.10pm at Hickey Park. Look, the thing I'm the most interested in is how Adelaide's going to go without Erin Phillips. Uh, Look, Premiers, they're an experienced side and they're going up against another experienced side, though the Lions lost quite a few players. Um, So I'm just interested to see how they run out together, but I feel like the Crows are going to fly. This no is the thing. <laughs> the Crows have so many outs, like big outs, but they have been playing together for such a long time. Kate, you're an Adelaide Crow. What they do you think? Are, they are. They've got a lot of depth in that squad, I think. So you're right. They have lost big names like Chelsea Randall as well. Um, mm. But I, I know we were going to get to this later. I'm just going to put it out there now that I still think they'll win the Premiership. I'm going to go early. I'm going to go the early Boom. crow. The early crow. What about Courtney Gump? This is amazing. She retired last year for about five minutes from GWS and then all of a sudden shows up on Adelaide's list. That is very impressive. Uh, tomorrow we will see Brianna Davey run out as a pie when they take on one of the other new franchises, the Eagles, Kate. Yeah, that's happening in Victoria Park in Melbourne. Um, and as you say, it's the West Coast Eagles debut, so extremely exciting for Western Australian fans. Um, in contrast to the Suns, who... Are, are also debuting today, uh, who do have a lot of youth on their list. West Coast have a bit of an older squad with some more experienced, seasoned AFLW and VFLW stars like Emma Swanson, who's the captain uh, of the Eagles, Dana Hooker, who is an absolute gun, especially through the midfield. She's been uh, a star for Fremantle and a huge get for the Eagles. Also, I want to just give a little nod to Chantella Pereira, who played in the VFLW uh, Premiership for Hawthorne. She was the best on ground. She's a star, uh, a basketballer by back Round as well, and um, and will be great. Pies have a new coach. They got rid of Wayne Seekman at the end of last year. Got rid of that's so <laughs> sorry, harsh. Sorry, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? He moved on. He moved on. <laughs> sorry, Wayne. Um, so Steve Simons is in is in charge, uh, and a big boost after recruiting Bree Davy from Carlton. I'm really interested to see how this game p- plays out. I'm really interested to see how Chantella Pereira steps up because we all know her worth. We think she's an exceptional defender. She kept Chloe Malloy pretty quiet in a prelim a couple of years ago. But what's interesting is she went really late in the draft and it's interesting. I mean, Lucy McAvoy starred last night for Carlton. She was pick number two. You wouldn't have any buyer's remorse about that, you know, about not getting draft pick number one. So maybe the draft is just getting that much better. We're turning up the heat each year. Well, and seeing Chloe Malloy back for Collingwood after having a pretty nasty injury uh, last year, a foot injury, uh, she is a, an absolute star and um, will be, for me, the, the player to watch in that game. They're painting the lines on Marab and Lucy. Again, history is going to be made. So not since 1992 have we seen an AFL game for premiership points played at Moorabbin and St Kilda and Western Bulldogs are going to change all that tomorrow. It's going to be an amazing moment for St Kilda and they are led by a legend of the game in coach Peter Searle. One of the things I'll have my eye on tomorrow is one of their younger players, Georgia Patrikios, who went at number five in the draft. There was a lot of talk about her and Lucy McAvoy and some of the other players being really, really hard to separate. So I cannot wait to see her. 
just to make it a little bit more interesting, a real St Kilda person in Nathan Burke is going to be the coach <laughs> of the Western Bulldogs. So I think it's going to be a bittersweet moment for him. I'd imagine probably quite sweet. But I'll also be looking out for the number one draft pick, who is Gabby Newton, and she has been named to run out tomorrow, along with US recruit Danny Marshall. So someone we spoke to on the show last year, she has come over from America and she's the first US recruit to make it to the AFLW. Yeah, that's an extraordinary story. And the final game to end the round, Rana, is the Dockers and the Cats. Mia Ray Clifford will be a Docker taking on her old side. I know. Well, that was that's the kind of thing that I'm looking forward to the most, to see how she goes. I mean, she was the leading goal kicker for Geelong with six goals. Uh, and I'm just interested to see if she'll just kick a bag and stick it to them. The other interesting thing is that Cara and Ebony Antonio um, who both play for Fremantle they got married in the off season so it's the first time we'll see a married couple playing for the same team and running out together, same surname. That would have been interesting at Jumper Prez. There's a few firsts this weekend. I read on social media so it must be right that uh, the, Gold, <laughs> that the Gold Coast Suns debuting today is the first national women's team in any sport to come from the Gold Coast. Wow. I think that's right but if our listeners know otherwise please let us know. Um, but if that's if that's right, that's a huge moment for the Gold Coast where um where I did grow up and uh, and yeah, not not known for AFL footy, so a very special moment for fans there. Do you have a soft spot for the Suns? I do actually. Someone do. Jenny on the SMS is asking whether the Suns should be called the Daughters. What do you think about that, Kate? Oh, I love the sound of it. I mean, it will make the theme song a little bit harder because you'll have to slip that extra syllable into uh, the, the song. But I, I love I love the idea of it. It's gorgeous. I've always thought of the Sun as a woman, though, so it kind of works for oh, me. Oh, right, just blowing it up <laughs> as per usual. <laughs> Mic drop. Did you see that over um, the week the West Coast Eagles have released? a new version of their theme song. Any thoughts on that? It's with the birds of Tokyo. They're all birds. I'm a huge fan. I really love it. And they released a beautiful video that went with it that uh, really captured all of the feels of, you know, the, the two teams. Yeah, I and the it. didge kicking it all yeah. off, which was absolutely beautiful. This season. There's a lot of inclusion. Inclusion is the new black, yeah. would we say? Yeah. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> I think so. I think so too. Well, we've had so much fun here. It's been a massive show. We hope that this weekend you will grab a footy, get a friend and get to a game. Thanks so much to Nicole Livingston, Steve Hocking, Daisy Pierce, And thank you for all of your calls and texts. You can follow us on socials and we will be out and about at the games. If you see us, do please come up and say hello. We love seeing you and you can follow us on socials. There's only one thing left for us to say. Go footy! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 